chapter fourteen part one of the life of washington volume one by john marshall this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter fourteen insurrection in north carolina dissatisfaction of massachusetts corresponding committees governor hutchinson's correspondence communicated by dr franklin the assembly petitioned for his removal he is succeeded by general gage measures to enforce the act concerning duties ferment in america the tea thrown into the sea at boston measures of parliament general enthusiasm in america a general congress proposed general gage arrives troops stationed on boston neck new counsellors and judges obliged to resign boston neck fortified military stores seized by general gage preparations for defence king's speech proceedings of parliament battle of lexington massachusetts raises men meeting of congress proceedings of that body transactions in virginia provincial congress of south carolina battle of breed's hill seventeen seventy in the middle and southern colonies the irritation against the mother country appears to have gradually subsided and no disposition was manifested to extend opposition farther than to the importation of tea insurrection in north carolina their attention was a good deal directed to an insurrection in north carolina where a number of ignorant people supposing themselves to be aggrieved by the fee bill rose in arms for the purpose of shutting up the courts of justice destroying all officers of government and all lawyers and of prostrating government itself governor tryon marched against them defeated them in a decisive battle quelled the insurrection and restored order dissatisfaction of massachusetts in massachusetts where the doctrine that parliament could not rightfully legislate for the colonies was maintained as a corollary from the proposition that parliament could not tax them a gloomy discontent was manifested that the spirit of opposition seemed to be expiring without securing the rights they claimed excited apprehensions of a much more serious nature in the bosoms of that inflexible people than the prospect of any conflict however terrible this temper displayed itself in all their proceedings the legislature which the governor continued to convene at cambridge remonstrated against this removal as an intolerable grievance and for two sessions refused to proceed on business in one of their remonstrances they asserted the right of the people to appeal to heaven in disputes between them and persons in power when power shall be abused corresponding committees from the commencement of the contest massachusetts have been peculiarly solicitous to unite all the colonies in one system of measures in pursuance of this favorite idea a committee of correspondence was elected by the general court to communicate with such committees as might be appointed by other legislatures similar committees were soon afterwards chosen by the towns throughout the province for the purpose of corresponding with each other and the example was soon followed by other colonies seventeen seventy two while this system of vigilance was in progress a discovery was made which greatly increased the ill-temper of new england dr franklin the agent of massachusetts by some unknown means governor hutchinson's correspondence obtained possession of the letters which had been addressed by governor hutchinson and by lieutenant governor oliver to the department of state he transmitted these letters to the general court they were obviously designed to induce government to persevere the system which was alienated the affections of the colonists the opposition was represented as being confined to a few factious men whose conduct was not generally approved 
and who had been emboldened by the weakness of the means used to restrain them more vigorous measures were recommended and several specific propositions were made which were peculiarly offensive among these was a plan for altering the charters of the colonies and rendering the high officers dependent solely on the crown for their salaries seventeen seventy three petition for the removal of the governor and lieutenant-governor the assembly inflamed by these letters unanimously resolved that their tendency and design were to overthrow the constitution of the government and to introduce arbitrary power into the province at the same time a petition to the king was voted praying him to remove governor hutchinson and lieutenant-governor oliver forever from the government of the colony this petition was transmitted to dr franklin and laid before the king in council after hearing it the lords of the council reported that the petition in question was founded upon false and erroneous allegations and that the same as groundless vexatious and scandalous and calculated only for the seditious purposes of keeping up a spirit of clamour and discontent in the provinces this report his majesty was pleased to approve hutchinson succeeded by gage governor hutchinson however was soon afterwards removed and general gage appointed to succeed him the fears of massachusetts that the spirit which had been roused in the colonies might gradually subside were not of long continuance the determination not to import tea from england had so lessened the demand for that article that a considerable quantity had accumulated in the magazines of the east india company they urged the minister to take off the import american duty of three pence per pound and offered in lieu of it to pay double that sum on exportation measures to enforce the duty seventeen seventy four instead of acceding to this proposition drawbacks were allowed on tea exported to the colonies and the export duty on that article was taken off these encouragements induced the company to make shipments on their own account and large quantities were consigned to agents in boston new york philadelphia charleston and other principal places on the continent the crisis was arrived and the conduct of the colonies was now to determine whether they would submit to be taxed by parliament or meet the consequences of a practical assertion of the opinions they had maintained the tea if landed would be sold the duties would consequently be paid and the precedent for taxing them established the same sentiment on this subject appears to have pervaded the whole continent at the same time this ministerial plan of importation was considered by all as a direct attack on the liberties of the people of america which it was the duty of all to oppose ferment in america a violent ferment was excited in all the colonies the corresponding committees were extremely active and it was almost universally declared that whoever should directly or indirectly countenance this dangerous invasion of their rights was an enemy to his country the consignees were generally compelled to relinquish their consignments and in most instances the ships bringing the tea were obliged to return with it at boston a town meeting appointed a committee to wait on the consignees to request their resignation this request not being complied with another large meeting assembled at Penuya hall who voted with acclamation that the tea shall not be landed that no duty shall be paid and that it shall be sent back in the same bottoms with a foreboding of the probable consequences of the measure about to be adopted and a wish that those consequences should be seriously contemplated a leading member thus addressed the meeting it is not mr moderator the spirit that vapours within these walls that must stand us instead the exertions of this day will call forth events which will make a very different spirit necessary for our salvation whoever supposes that shouts and hazanas will terminate the trials of the day entertains a childish fancy we must be grossly ignorant of the importance and value of the prize for which we contend 
we must be equally ignorant of the power of those who have combined against us we must be blind to that malice inveteracy and insatiable revenge which actuate our enemies public and private abroad and in our bosoms to hope that we shall end this controversy without the sharpest sharpest conflicts to flatter ourselves that popular resolves popular harangues popular acclamations and popular vapour will vanquish our foes let us consider the issue let us look to the end let us weigh and consider before we advance to those measures which must bring on the most trying and terrible struggle this country ever saw the question was again put and passed unanimously in the affirmative the captain of the vessel aware of the approaching danger was desirous of returning and applied to the governor for a clearance affecting a rigid regard to the letter of his duty he declined giving one unless the vessel should be properly qualified at the custom-house this answer being reported the meeting was declared to be dissolved and an immense crowd repaired to the quay tea thrown into the sea where a number of the most resolute disguised as mohawk indians boarded the vessel broke open three hundred and forty-two chests of tea and discharged their contents into the ocean measures of parliament these proceedings were laid before parliament in a message from the crown and excited a high and general indignation against the colonies both houses expressed almost unanimously their approbation of the measures adopted by his majesty and gave explicit assurances that they would exert every means in their power to provide effectually for the due execution of the laws and to secure the dependence of the colonies upon the crown and parliament of great britain the temper both of the parliament and of the nation was entirely favourable to the high-handed system of coercion proposed by ministers and that temper was not permitted to pass away unemployed a bill was brought in for discontinuing the lading and shipping of goods wares and merchandises at boston or the harbour thereof and for the removal of the custom-house with its dependencies to the town of salem this bill was to continue in force not only until compensation should be made to the east india company for the damage sustained but until the king in council should declare himself satisfied as to the restoration of peace and good order in boston it passed both houses without a division and almost without opposition the boston tea party from the painting by robert reed in the massachusetts state house in this picture a leading modern american artist has succeeded admirably in depicting the band of boston citizens who disguised as indians boarded three british ships in boston harbor december sixteenth seventeen seventy three and threw their cargoes of tea overboard in defying england to impose on the american colonies a tax on tea for the benefit of the straitened east india company three hundred and forty two chests valued at about eighteen thousand pounds were destroyed in this manner without a sound from a great mob of onlookers thronging the wharves the mob dispersed quietly as soon as the last chest went overboard soon afterwards a bill was brought in for better regulating the government of the province of massachusetts bay this act entirely subverted the charter and vested in the crown the appointment of the councillors magistrates and other officers of the colony who were to hold their offices during the royal pleasure this bill also was carried through both houses by great majorities but not without a vigorous opposition and an animated debate the next measure proposed was a bill for the impartial administration of justice in the province of massachusetts bay it provided that in case any person should be indicted in that province for murder or any other capital offence and it should appear by information given on oath to the governor that the fact was committed in the exercise or aid of magistracy in suppressing riots and that a fair trial could not be had in the province he should send the person so indicted to any other colony or to great britain to be tried this act was to continue in force for four years 
a bill was also passed for quartering soldiers on the inhabitants and the system was completed by an act making more effectual provision for the government of the province of quebec this bill extended the boundaries of that province so as to comprehend the territory between the lakes the ohio and the mississippi and established a legislative council to be appointed by the crown for its government amidst these hostile measures one single conciliatory proposition was made mr rose fuller moved that the house resolve itself into a committee to take into consideration the duty on the importation of tea into america with a view to its repeal this motion was seconded by mr burke and supported with all the power of reasoning and all the splendor of eloquence which distinguished that consummate statesman but reason and eloquence were of no avail it was lost by a great majority the earl of chatham who had long been too ill to attend parliament again made his appearance in the house of lords he could have been drawn out only by a strong sense of the fatal importance of those measures into which the nation was hurrying but his efforts were unavailing neither his weight of character his sound judgment nor his manly eloquence could arrest the hand of fate which seemed to propel this lofty nation with irresistible force to measures which terminated in its dismemberment it was expected and this expectation was encouraged by mr hutchinson that by directing these measures particularly against boston not only the union of the colonies would be broken but massachusetts herself would be divided never was expectation more completely disappointed all perceived that boston was to be punished for having resisted only with more violence the principle which they had all resisted and that the object of the punishment was to coerce obedience to a principle they were still determined to resist they felt therefore that the cause of boston was the cause of all that their destinies were indissolubly connected with those of that devoted town and that they must submit to be taxed by a parliament in which they were not and could not be represented or support their brethren who were selected to sustain the first shock of a power which if successful there would overwhelm them all the neighboring towns disdaining to avail themselves of the calamities inflicted on a sister for her exertions in the common cause clung to her with increased affection general enthusiasm and that spirit of enthusiastic patriotism which for a time elevates the mind above all considerations of individual acquisition became the ruling passion in the american bosom on receiving intelligence of the boston port bill a meeting of the people of that town was called they perceived that the sharpest sharpest conflict was indeed approaching but were not dismayed by its terrors far from seeking to shelter themselves from the threatening storm by submission they grew more determined as it increased resolutions were passed expressing their opinion of the impolicy injustice inhumanity and cruelty of the act from which they appealed to god and to the world and also inviting the other colonies to join with them in an agreement to stop all imports and exports to and from great britain ireland and the west indies until the act should be repealed it was not in boston only that this spirit was roused addresses were received from every part of the continent expressing sentiments of sympathy in their afflictions exhorting them to resolution and perseverance assuring them that they were considered as suffering in the common cause the legislature of virginia was in session when intelligence of the boston port bill reached that province the house of burgesses set apart the first of june the day on which the bill was to go into operation for fasting prayer and humiliation to implore the divine interposition to avert the heavy calamity which threatened the destruction of their civil rights the evils of a civil war and to give one heart and one mind to the people firmly to oppose every invasion of their liberties similar resolutions were adopted in almost every province and the first of june became throughout the colonies a day of fasting 
humiliation and prayer in the course of which sermons were preached to the people well calculated to inspire them with horror against the authors of the unjust sufferings of their fellow-subjects in boston this measure occasioned the dissolution of the assembly the members before separation entered into an association in which they declared that an attack on one colony to compel submission to arbitrary taxes is an attack on all british america and threatens ruin to the rights of all unless the united wisdom of the whole be applied in prevention a general congress proposed they therefore recommended to the committee of correspondence to communicate with the several committees of the other provinces on the expediency of appointing deputies from the different colonies to meet annually in congress and to deliberate on the common interests of america this measure had already been proposed in town meetings both in new york and boston general gage arrives in boston while the people of boston were engaged in the first consultations respecting the bill directed particularly against themselves general gage arrived in town he was received notwithstanding the deep gloom of the moment with those external marks of respect which had been usual and which were supposed to belong to his station the general court convened by the governor at salem passed resolutions declaring the expediency of a meeting of committees from the several colonies and appointed five gentlemen as a committee on the part of massachusetts the colonies from new hampshire to south carolina inclusive adopted this measure and where the legislatures were not in session elections were made by the people the legislature of massachusetts also passed declaratory resolutions expressing their opinion on the state of public affairs and recommending to the inhabitants of that province to renounce totally the consumption of east india teas and to discontinue the use of all goods imported from the east indies and great britain until the grievances of america should be completely redressed the governor having obtained intelligence of the manner in which the house was employed sent his secretary with directions to dissolve the assembly finding the doors shut and being refused admittance he read the order of dissolution aloud on the staircase the next day the governor received an address from the principal inhabitants of salem at that time the metropolis of the province which marks the deep impression made by a sense of common danger no longer considering themselves as the inhabitants of salem but as americans and spurning advantages to be derived to themselves from the distress inflicted on a sister town for its zeal in a cause common to all they expressed their deep affliction for the calamities of boston about this time rough drafts of the two remaining bills relative to the province of massachusetts as well as of that for quartering troops in america were received in boston and circulated through the continent they served to confirm the wavering to render the moderate indignant and to inflame the violent an agreement was framed by the committee of correspondence in boston entitled a solemn league and covenant whereby the subscribers bound themselves in the presence of god to suspend all commercial intercourse with great britain from the last day of the ensuing month of august until the boston port bill and the other late obnoxious laws should be repealed they also bound themselves in the same manner not to consume or purchase from any other any goods whatever which should arrive after the specified time and to break off all dealings with the purchasers as well as with the importers of such goods they renounced also all intercourse and connection with those who should refuse to subscribe to that covenant or to bind themselves by some similar agreement and annex to the renunciation of intercourse the dangerous penalty of publishing to the world the names of all who refused to give this evidence of attachment to the rights of their country general gage issued a proclamation in which he termed this covenant an unlawful hostile and traitorous combination contrary to the allegiance due to the king destructive of the legal authority of parliament and of the peace good order and safety of the community all persons were warned against incurring the pains and penalties 
due to such dangerous offences and all magistrates were charged to apprehend and secure for trial such as should be guilty of them but the time when the proclamation of governors could command attention had passed away and the penalties in the power of the committee of correspondence were much more dreaded than those which could be inflicted by the civil magistrate resolutions were passed in every colony in which legislatures were convened or delegates assembled in convention manifesting different degrees of resentment but concurring in the same great principles all declared that the cause of boston was the cause of british america that the late acts respecting that devoted town were tyrannical and unconstitutional that the opposition to this ministerial system of oppression ought to be universally and perseveringly maintained that all intercourse with the parent state state ought to be suspended and domestic manufactures encouraged and that a general congress should be formed for the purpose of uniting and guiding the councils and directing the efforts of north america the committees of correspondence selected philadelphia for the place and the beginning of september as the time for the meeting of this important council congress assembles on the fourth of september the delegates from eleven provinces appeared at the place appointed and the next day they assembled at carpenter's hall when peyton randolph the late speaker of the house of burgesses of virginia was unanimously chosen president the respective credentials of the members were then read and approved in this august assembly having determined that each colony should have only one vote that their deliberations should be conducted with closed doors and that their proceedings except such as they might determine to publish should be kept inviolably secret entered on the solemn and important duties assigned to them committees were appointed to state the rights claimed by the colonies which had been infringed by acts of parliament passed since the year seventeen sixty three to prepare a petition to the king and addresses to the people of great britain to the inhabitants of the province of quebec and to the twelve colonies represented in congress certain resolutions of the county of suffolk and massachusetts having been taken into consideration it was unanimously resolved that this assembly deeply feels the suffering of their countrymen in massachusetts bay under the operation of the late unjust cruel and oppressive acts of the british parliament that they most thoroughly approve the wisdom and fortitude with which opposition to these wicked ministerial measures has hitherto been conducted and they earnestly recommend to their brethren a perseverance in the same firm and temperate conduct as expressed in the resolutions determined upon at a meeting of the delegates for the county of suffolk on tuesday the sixth instant trusting that the effect of the united efforts of north america in their behalf will carry such conviction to the british nation of the unwise unjust and ruinous policy of the present administration as quickly to introduce better men and wiser measures it was resolved unanimously that contributions from all the colonies for supplying the necessities and alleviating the distresses of our brethren and boston ought to be continued in such manner and so long as their occasions may require the merchants of the several colonies were requested not to send to great britain any orders for goods and to direct the execution of those already sent to be suspended until the sense of congress on the means to be taken for preserving the liberties of america be made public in a few days resolutions were passed suspending the importation of goods from great britain or ireland or any of their dependencies and of their manufactures from any place whatever after the first day of the succeeding december and against the purchase or use of such goods it was also determined that all exports to great britain ireland and the west indies should cease on the tenth of september seventeen seventy five less american grievances should be redressed before that time an association corresponding with these resolutions was then framed and signed by every member present never were laws more faithfully observed than were these resolutions of congress and their association was of consequence universally adopted 
early in the session a declaration of rights was made in the shape of resolutions this paper merits particular attention because it states precisely the ground then taken by america it is observable that it asserted rights which were not generally maintained at the commencement of the contest but the exclusive right of legislation in the colonial assemblies with the exception of acts of the british parliament bona fide made to regulate external commerce was not averred unanimously the addresses prepared the various papers drawn up and the measures recommended by this congress form the best eulogy of the members who composed it affection to the mother country and exalted admiration of her national character unwillingness to separate from her a knowledge of the hazards and difficulties of the approaching contest mingled with enthusiastic patriotism and a conviction that all which can make life valuable was at stake characterized their proceedings address to the people of great britain when they say in the address to the people of great britain a nation led to greatness by the hand of liberty and possessed of all the glory that heroism munificence and humanity can bestow descends to the ungrateful task of forging chains for her friends and children and instead of giving support to freedom turns advocate for slavery and oppression there is reason to suspect that she has either ceased to be virtuous or been extremely negligent in the appointment of her rulers in almost every age in repeated conflicts and long and bloody wars as well civil as foreign against many and powerful nations against the open assaults of enemies and the more dangerous treachery of friends have the inhabitants of your island your great and glorious ancestors maintained their independence and transmitted the rights of men and the blessings of liberty to you their posterity be not surprised therefore that we who are descended from the same common ancestors that we whose forefathers participated in all the rights the liberties and the constitution you so justly boast of and who have carefully conveyed the same fair inheritance to us guaranteed by the plighted faith of government and the most solemn compacts with british sovereigns should refuse to surrender them to men who found their claims on no principles of reason and who prosecute them with a design that by having our lives and property in their power they may with their greater facility enslave you after stating the serious condition of american affairs and the oppressions and misrepresentations of their conduct which had induced the address and their claim to be as free as their fellow-subjects in britain they say are not the proprietors of the soil of great britain lords of their own property can it be taken from them without their consent will they yield it to the arbitrary disposal of any men or number of men whatever you know they will not why then are the proprietors of the soil of america less lords of their property than you are of yours and why should they submit it to the disposal of your parliament or any other parliament or council in the world not of their election can the intervention of the sea that divides us cause disparity of rights or can any reason be given why english subjects who live three thousand miles from the royal palace should enjoy less liberty than those who are three hundred miles distant from it reason looks with indignation on such distinctions and free men can never perceive their propriety after expatiating on the resources which the conquest of america would place in the hands of the crown for the subjugation of britain the address proceeds we believe there is yet much virtue much justice and much public spirit in the english nation to that justice we now appeal you have been told that we are seditious impatient of government and desirous of independency be assured that these are not facts but calumnies permit us to be as free as yourselves and we shall ever esteem a union with you to be our greatest glory and our greatest happiness we shall ever be ready to contribute all in our power to the welfare of the empire we shall consider your enemies as our enemies and your interest as our own but if you are determined that your ministers shall wantonly sport with the rights of mankind 
if neither the voice of justice the dictates of the law the principles of the constitution nor the suggestions of humanity can restrain your hands from shedding human blood in such an impious cause we must then tell you that we will never submit to be hewers of wood of, or drawers of water for any ministry or nation in the world place us in the same situation that we were at the close of the late war and our former harmony will be restored petition to the king the petition to the king states succinctly the grievances complained of and then proceeds to say had our creator been pleased to give us existence in a land of slavery the sense of our condition might have been mitigated by ignorance and habit but thanks be to his adorable goodness we were born the heirs of freedom and ever enjoyed our right under the auspices of your royal ancestors whose family was seated on the british throne to rescue and secure a pious and gallant nation from the popery and despotism of a superstitious and inexorable tyrant your majesty we are confident justly rejoices that your title to the crown is thus founded on the title of your people to liberty and therefore we doubt not but your royal wisdom must approve the sensibility that teaches your subjects anxiously to guard the blessing they receive from divine providence and thereby to prove the performance of that compact which elevated the illustrious house of brunswick to the imperial dignity it now possesses the apprehensions of being degraded into a state of servitude from the preeminent rank of english freemen while our minds retain the strongest love of liberty and clearly foresee the miseries preparing for us and for our posterity excites emotions in our breasts which though we cannot describe we should not wish to conceal feeling as men and thinking as subjects in the manner we do silence would be disloyalty by giving this faithful information we do all in our power to promote the great objects of your royal cares the tranquillity of your government and the welfare of your people duty to your majesty and regard for the preservation of ourselves and our posterity the primary obligations of nature and society command us to entreat your royal attention and as your majesty enjoys the signal distinction of reigning over freemen we apprehend the language of freemen cannot be displeasing your royal indignation we hope will rather fall on those designing and dangerous men who daringly interposing themselves between your royal person and your faithful subjects and for several years past incessantly employed to dissolve the bonds of society by abusing your majesty's authority misrepresenting your american subjects and prosecuting the most desperate and irritating projects of oppression have at length compelled us by the force of accumulated injuries too severe to be any longer tolerable to disturb your majesty's repose by our complaints these sentiments are extorted from hearts that much more willingly would bleed in your majesty's service yet so greatly have we been misrepresented that a necessity has been alleged of taking our property from us without our consent to defray the charge of the administration of justice the support of civil government and the defence protection and security of the colonies after assuring his majesty of the untruth of these allegations they say yielding to no british subjects in affectionate attachment to your majesty's person family and government we too dearly prize the privilege of expressing that attachment by those proofs that are honourable to the prince that receives them and to the people who give them ever to resign it to any body of men upon earth we ask but for peace liberty and safety we wish not a diminution of the prerogative nor do we solicit the grant of any new right in our favour your royal authority over us and our connection with great britain we shall always carefully and zealously endeavour to support and maintain after restating in a very affecting manner the most essential grievances of which they complain and professing that their future conduct if their apprehension should be removed would prove them worthy of the regard they had been accustomed in their happier days to enjoy they add permit us then most gracious sovereign in the name of all your faithful people in america with the utmost humility to implore you for the honour of almighty god 
whose pure religion our enemies are undermining for your glory which can be advanced only by rendering your subjects happy and keeping them united for the interest of your family depending on an adherence to the principles that enthroned it for the safety and welfare of your kingdom and dominions threatened with almost unavoidable dangers and distresses that your majesty as the loving father of your whole people connected by the same bonds of law loyalty faith and blood though dwelling in various countries will not suffer the transcendent relation formed by these ties to be farther violated in uncertain expectation of effects that if attained never can compensate for the calamities through which they must be gained addressed to the american people the address to their constituents is replete with serious and temperate argument in this paper the several causes which had led to the existing state of things were detailed more at large and much labor was used to convince their judgments that their liberties must be destroyed and the security of their property and persons annihilated by submission to the pretensions of great britain the first object of congress being to unite the people of america by demonstrating the sincerity with which their leaders had sought for reconciliation on terms compatible with liberty great earnestness was used in proving that the conduct of the colonists had been uniformly moderate and blameless after declaring their confidence in the efficacy of the mode of commercial resistance which had been recommended the address concludes with saying your own salvation and that of your posterity now depends upon yourselves you have already shown that you entertain a proper sense of the blessings you are striving to retain against the temporary inconveniences you may suffer from a stoppage of trade you will weigh in the opposite balance the endless miseries you and your descendants must endure from an established arbitrary power you will not forget the honor of your country that must from your behavior take its title in the estimation of the world to glory or to shame and you will with the deepest attention reflect that if the peaceable mode of opposition recommended by us be broken and rendered ineffectual as your cruel and haughty ministerial enemies from a contemptuous opinion of your firmness insolently predict will be the case you must inevitably be reduced to choose either a more dangerous contest or a final ruinous and infamous submission motives thus cogent arising from the emergency of your unhappy condition must excite your utmost diligence and zeal to give all possible strength and energy to the pacific measures calculated for your relief but we think ourselves bound in duty to observe to you that the schemes agitated against the colonies have been so conducted as to render it prudent that you should extend your views to mournful events and be in all respects prepared for every contingency above all things we earnestly entreat you with devotion of spirit penitence of heart and amendment of life to humble yourselves and implore the favor of almighty god and we fervently beseech the divine goodness to take you into his gracious protection the letter to the people of canada required no inconsiderable degree of address the extent of that province was not so alarming to its inhabitants as to their neighbors and it was not easy to persuade the french settlers who were far the most numerous that the establishment of their religion and the partial toleration of their ancient jurisprudence were acts of oppression which ought to be resisted this delicate subject was managed with considerable dexterity and the prejudices of the canadians were assailed with some success letters were also addressed to the colonies of st john's nova scotia georgia and the floridas inviting them to unite with their brethren in a cause common to all british america after completing the business before them and recommending that another congress should be held at the same place on the tenth of the succeeding may the house dissolved itself october the proceedings of congress were read throughout america with enthusiastic admiration the recommendations were revered as revelations and obeyed as laws of the strongest obligation absolute unanimity could not be expected to exist but seldom has a whole people been more united and never did a more sincere and perfect conviction of the justice of a cause animate the human bosom than was felt by the great body of the americans 
the people generally made great exertions to arm and discipline themselves independent companies of gentlemen were formed in all the colonies and the whole face of the country exhibited the aspect of approaching war yet the measures of congress demonstrate that although resistance by force was contemplated as a possible event the hope was fondly cherished that the non-importation of british goods would induce a repeal of the late odious acts it is impossible to account for the non-importation agreement itself had war been considered as inevitable every principle of sound policy required that imports should be encouraged and the largest possible stock of supplies for an army be obtained new councillors and judges with the laws relative to the province governor gage received a list of thirty-two new councillors a sufficient number of whom to carry on the business of the government accepted the office and entered on its duties all those who accepted offices under the new system were denounced as enemies to their country the new judges were unable to proceed in the administration of justice when the courthouses were opened the people crowded into them in such numbers that the judges could not obtain admittance and on being ordered by the officers to make way for the court they answered that they knew no court independent of the ancient laws and usages of their country and to no other would they submit obliged to resign the houses of the new councillors were surrounded by great bodies of people whose threats announced to them that they must resign their offices or be exposed to the fury of an enraged populace the first part of the alternative was generally embraced boston neck fortified in this irritable state of the public mind and critical situation of public affairs it was to be expected that every day would furnish new matter of discontent and jealousy general gage deemed it a necessary measure of security to fortify boston neck and this circumstance induced the inhabitants to contemplate seriously an evacuation of the town and removal into the country congress was consulted on this proposition but was deterred from recommending it by the difficulties attending the measure it was however referred to the provincial congress with the declaration that if the removal should be deemed necessary the expense attending it ought to be borne by all the colonies military stores seized by general gage the fortification of boston neck was followed by a measure which excited still greater alarm the time for the general muster of the militia approached under real or pretended apprehensions from their violence the ammunition and stores which were lodged in the provincial arsenal at cambridge and the powder in the magazines at charlestown and some other places which was partly private and partly provincial property were seized by order of the governor and conveyed to boston under the ferment excited by this measure the people assembled in great numbers and were with difficulty dissuaded from marching to boston and demanding a re-delivery of the stores not long afterwards the fort at portsmouth in new hampshire was stormed by an armed body of provincials and the powder it contained was transported to a place of safety a similar measure was adopted in rhode island about the same time a report reached connecticut that the ships and troops had attacked boston and were actually firing on the town several thousand men immediately assembled in arms and marched with great expedition a considerable distance before they were undeceived it was in the midst of these ferments and while these indications of an opinion that hostilities might be expected daily were multiplying on every side that the people of suffolk assembled in convention and passed the resolutions already mentioned which in boldness surpassed any that had been adopted provincial congress in massachusetts before the general agitation had risen to its present alarming height governor gage had issued writs for the election of members to a general assembly these writs were afterwards countermanded by proclamation but the proclamation was disregarded the elections were held and the delegates who assembled and voted themselves a provincial congress conducted the affairs of the colony as if they had been regularly invested with all the powers of government and their recommendations were respected as sacred laws prepares for defence they drew up a plan for the defence of the province provided magazines ammunition and prepares stores for twelve thousand militia and enrolled a number of minute-men a term designating a select part of the militia who engaged to appear in arms at a minute's warning 
on the approach of winter the general had ordered temporary barracks to be erected for the troops partly for their security and partly to prevent the disorders which would unavoidably result from quartering them in the town such however was the detestation in which they were held that the select men and committees obliged the workmen to desist from the work although they were paid for their labour by the crown and although employment could at that time be seldom obtained he was not much more successful in his endeavours to obtain carpenters in new york and it was with considerable difficulty that these temporary lodgments could be erected the agency for purchasing winter covering for the troops was offered to almost every merchant in new york but such was the danger of engaging in this odious employment that not only those who were attached to the party resisting the views of administration but those also who were in secret friendly to those views refused undertaking it and declared that they never would supply any article for the benefit of men who were sent as enemies to their country king's speech to parliament in great britain a new parliament was assembled and the king in his opening speech informed them that a most daring spirit of resistance and disobedience still prevailed in massachusetts and had broken forth in fresh violences of a very criminal nature that the most proper and effectual measures had been taken to prevent these mischiefs and that they might depend upon a firm resolution to withstand every attempt to weaken or impair the supreme authority of this legislature over all the dominions of the crown proceedings of that body the addresses re-echoed the sentiments of the speech all amendments to which were rejected in both houses by considerable majorities yet the business respecting america was not promptly introduced administration seemed to have hesitated on the course to be adopted and the cabinet is said to have been divided respecting future measures seventeen seventy five the few friends of conciliation availed themselves of this delay to bring forward propositions which might restore harmony to the empire lord chatham was not yet dead this splendid orb to use the bold metaphor of mr burke was not yet entirely set the western horizon was still in a blaze with his descending glory and the evening of a life which had exhibited one bright uncheckered course of elevated patriotism was devoted to the service of that country whose aggrandizement seemed to have swallowed up every other passion of his soul taking a prophetic view of the future he demonstrated the impossibility of subjugating america and urged with all the powers of his vast mind the immediate removal of the troops from boston as a measure indispensably necessary to open the way for an adjustment of the existing differences with the colonies not discouraged by the great majority against this motion he brought forward a bill for settling the troubles in america which was rejected by sixty-one to thirty-two voices the day after the rejection of this bill lord north moved in the house of commons an address to his majesty declaring that from a serious consideration of the american papers they find a rebellion actually exists in the province of massachusetts bay in the course of the debate on this address several professional gentlemen spoke with the utmost contempt of the military character of the americans and general grant who ought to have known better declared that at the head of five regiments of infantry he would undertake to traverse the whole country and drive the inhabitants from one end of the continent to the other the address was carried by two hundred and eighty eight to one hundred and six and on a conference the house of lords agreed to join in it lord north soon after moved a bill for restraining the trade and commerce of the new england provinces and prohibiting them from carrying on the fisheries on the banks of newfoundland while this bill was pending and only vengeance was breathed by the majority his lordship to the astonishment of all suddenly moved what he termed his conciliatory proposition its amount was that parliament would forbear to tax any colony which should tax itself in such a sum as would be perfectly satisfactory apparent as it must have been that this proposition would not be accepted in america it was received with indignation by the majority of the house and ministers found some difficulty in showing that it was in maintenance of the right to tax the colonies 
before it could be adopted lord north condescended to make the dangerous and not very reputable acknowledgment that it was a proposition designed to divide america and, and to unite great britain it was transmitted to the governors of the several colonies in a circular letter from lord dartmouth with directions to use their utmost influence to prevail on the legislatures to accede to the proposed compromise these endeavors were not successful the colonists were universally impressed with too strong a conviction of the importance of union and understood too well the real principle of the contest to suffer themselves to be divided or deceived by a proposition conciliatory only in name after the passage of the bill for restraining the trade of new england information was received that the inhabitants of the middle and southern colonies were supporting their northern brethren in every measure of opposition in consequence of this intelligence a second bill was passed for imposing similar restrictions on east and west jersey pennsylvania maryland virginia south carolina and the counties on the delaware the favorite colonies of new york and north carolina were omitted as being less disaffected than the others fortunately some time afterwards the house of commons refused to hear a petition from the legislature of new york which alone had declined acceding to the resolutions of congress on the suggestion of the minister that it contained claims incompatible with the supremacy of parliament this haughty rejection had some tendency to convince the advocates of milder measures that had been adopted in their sister colonies that there was no medium between resistance and absolute submission the king's speech in the proceedings of parliament served only to convince the leaders of opposition in america that they must indeed prepare to meet mournful events they had flattered themselves that the union of the colonies the petition of congress to the king and the address to the people of great britain would produce happy effects but these measures removed the delusion the provincial congress of massachusetts published a resolution informing the people that there was real cause to fear that the reasonable and just applications of that continent to great britain for peace liberty and safety would not meet with a favorable reception that on the contrary the tenor of their intelligence and general appearances furnished just cause for the apprehension that the sudden destruction of that colony at least was intended they therefore urged the militia in general and the minutemen in particular to spare neither time pains nor expense to perfect themselves in military discipline and also passed resolutions for procuring and making firearms and bayonets in the meantime delegates were elected for the ensuing congress even in new york where the influence of administration in the legislature had been sufficient to prevent an adoption of the recommendations of congress a convention was chosen for the purpose of electing members to represent that province in the grand council of the colonies in new england although a determination not to commence hostility appears to have been maintained an expectation of it and a settled purpose to repel it universally prevailed it was not long before the firmness of this resolution was put to the test on the night preceding the nineteenth of april general gage detached lieutenant colonel smith and major pitcairn with the grenadiers and light infantry of the army amounting to eight or nine hundred men with orders to destroy some military stores which had been collected at concord about eighteen miles from boston notwithstanding the secrecy and dispatch which were used the country was alarmed by messengers sent out by dr warren battle of lexington and on the arrival of the british troops at lexington about five in the morning part of the company of militia belonging to the town was found on the parade under arms major pitcairn who led the van galloped up calling out dispersed rebels dispersed he was followed close by his soldiers who rushed upon the militia with loud huzzas some scattering guns were fired which were immediately followed by a general discharge and the firing was continued as long as any of the militia appeared eight men were killed and several wounded after dispatching six companies of light infantry to guard two bridges which lay at some distance beyond the town lieutenant-colonel smith proceeded to concord 
while the main body of the detachment was employed in destroying the stores in the town some minute men and militia who were collected from that place and its neighborhood having orders not to give the first fire approached one of the bridges as if to pass it in the character of common travellers they were fired on and two of them were killed the fire was instantly returned and a skirmish ensued in which the regulars were worsted and compelled to retreat with some loss the alarm now becoming general the people rushed to the scene of action and attacked the king's troops on all sides skirmish succeeded skirmish and they were driven from post to post into lexington fortunately for the british general gage did not entertain precisely the opinion of the military character of the americans which had been expressed in the house of commons apprehending the expedition to be not entirely without hazard he had in the morning detached lord percy with sixteen companies of foot a corps of marines and two companies of artillery to support lieutenant colonel smith this seasonable reinforcement happening to reach lexington about the time of his arrival at that place kept the provincials at a distance with their field pieces and gave the grenadiers and light infantry time to breathe but as soon as they resumed their march the attack was recommenced and an irregular but galling fire was kept up on each flank as well as in front and rear until they arrived on the common of charlestown without delay they passed over the neck to bunker's hill where they remained secure for the night under the protection of their ships of war and early next morning crossed over to boston in this action the loss of the british in killed wounded and prisoners was two hundred and seventy-three while that of the provincials did not exceed ninety this affair however trivial in itself was of great importance in its consequences it was the commencement of a long and obstinate war and had no inconsiderable influence on that war by increasing the confidence which the americans felt in themselves and by encouraging opposition with the hope of being successful it supported the opinion which the colonists had taken up with some doubt that courage and patriotism were ample substitutes for the knowledge of tactics and that their skill in the use of firearms gave them a great superiority over their adversaries End of chapter fourteen part one